All right, well, welcome to our midweek service. Uh, we're actually going to just touch on a new message called, I Keep My Promises. I Keep My Promises. Interesting enough, uh, this came out of a conversation I was having with the Lord um, where, he, where I was, which I do a lot these days, every, everywhere I go and everything I do. I thank God so much for um, the life that I've. I've been afforded through, through uh, the, the testing trials God's got me through, uh, well, got us through, <laughs> and the life he's afforded us. So everywhere I turn to looking at my wife, to walking up the stairs, to walking downstairs, to driving, to coming to church, to looking at lives change, I'm always thanking God. And so one of these days in my time of appreciation, God said something to me. He said, Keith. I keep my promises. He says, I keep my promises. And then he said this. He said, we think the circumstances override the promises. We think the circumstances override the promises. It actually endorses the promises. It actually endorses the promises. Or it's actually endorsed in the promises, however you want to say it. But this, that's what the Lord was telling me. And this is the thing. So then he was kind of walking me through. I was happening to uh, somebody called me that day. And this is how my life works. You know, talk to God. God shares something with me. End up in, in a conversation with somebody. What God shared with me is part of that conversation, <laughs> you know. So, like, while I'm talking to him, God gave me the information for them. He gave me something for me, but it actually is going to benefit them. And then when we get into the conversation, while we're talking, it triggers what God just told me. And I'm like, you know, I was talking to God today. <laughs> you know, so it, you, you come, you look like you're a genius, but really it's not. It's just God just giving you information. So I'm talking to this person, and um, we was just we were uh, in. This was on the heels of God saying, "I keep my promises." And and I was like, I said, man, I said, if we could learn to be patient and rest in God, see, because the statement, "I keep my promises." helps us to rest because now, now no matter what it looks like you know what God keeps his promises right but if you don't think God keeps his promises you're tempted to what be a little antsy and you know and second guess where you are and so so in this particular conversation God was like he was showing us how sometimes we're in a good place uh, every, every day at 10 10 our alarm goes off and me and my wife confess we're in a good place. You know, we drove into Charlotte into our apartment on South Tryon. When we pulled in, I just had this presence of, hey, we're in a good place. And we had, you know, it was kind of interesting. I'm about to read the scripture, so I was gonna fit into the scripture. But, you know, we had we had processed through a lot. Uh, some good, some bad, some crazy, but we have really gone through a lot. You know how you, you're, 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 you're in seasons of your life where it's like um, every day, every moment of every hour is like a tough decision. You know, you know, you, know, you go through, not because you have seasons in your life where I got to make this big tough decision, but then everything else is pretty cool. But there's, there's, there's a place in your life where you're trying to break through which ties into something for next year. But you, you, it seems like everything, you can't rest. 
It's something I learned playing basketball. When, when I finally understood the reality of how to win, what I realized was every trip down the court was important. When I was younger, you know, I would be focused, you know, you gotta make this right decision, make this right decision, but every once in a while I would get lazy in my mind and go, eh, I'm gonna just take this shot. Like, like, not even really, like, intentional. So I, so, I, so I lost my focus for that moment. But when I really understood, and it seemed like everybody in Newark was pros, every trip down the court. So offense or defense, I had to be focused. And I learned something. The person that, that, that gives up, that loses their focus first, is the person that loses the game. Right? You know, you look back. I used to, I used to look back, and, and we lose the game by two. And I'd be like, man, I gave up that bucket. That was that time when I was just like, he ain't going to make that. And I lost the game by he ain't going to make that when I could have helped him to miss it. And so, 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 we, you know, we just coming uh, from um, testing trials and, 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 and development and growth. It wasn't just all testing trials uh, in our process of growing in ministry in Columbus. And when we pulled into that, that parking lot, I was like, man, we're in a good place. And it just, it, when, I, when it came out my mouth, I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And we've been confessing it ever since. We're in a good place. And what I was, in this conversation, I was telling the person, I said, sometimes we could be rushing out of good to get to ego. So in other words, we're in a good place, but ego starts to talk and go, well, what are they going to say? What do you think about this? How does this really look? You know, how does this, how, how is this going to, is this going to give you the props you want? Look at what such and such is doing. And you're in a good place. And if you marinate there, God can grow you from there, right? He can resurrect you from there. But sometimes we rush out of a good place to get to ego, to get to ego, right? And um, so God said this in this conversation. He says, be still inside the good and let God resurrect us to the great. So be still inside the good. So we, 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 we find our, like, like, like sit down sometimes and just look at when you're having people around you that care about you having people around you that you can, you can have uh, uh, good conversations with, you're learning and growing from. And so you could be so busy focused on uh, financial status, financial position, um, uh, uh, promotions or whatever, where you actually have with all those people that you see with promotions will want. <laughs> You know, great relationship, you know, different things like that. So, so what God was saying was be still inside of the good. So when you find that good place, be still in there and let God resurrect us to the great. Uh, let's go to Exodus 14. Exodus 14, familiar scripture because I've been you, I've been quoting this scripture way since forever. I used to minister this to the youth um, a lot. Uh, back in the 90s. Every time I say that, it's like, <laughs> like, dude, you up there, like, <laughs> back in the 90s. 
I was already in my 30s in the 90s. That's the deep part. <laughs> Woo. But uh, I used to have so much fun, man, ministering to youth, man. We had some powerful times, I mean, uh, where God moved. And, uh, man, we went to a lodge. It was, it was uh, Burr Oak. Is that it? Went to a, uh, a lodge, man. The power of God was so thick. Folk couldn't get up off the floor and get out the room. These are youth. It was just such a, we had so many wonderful, powerful experiences. We had some great experiences at Capital University, too, uh, where the Spirit of God moved. Anyway, Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Uh, we're talking about I keep my promises. It says, and, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye... Ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. Ye shall hold your peace. And so, you know, this, this backdrop is they, they were delivered. Hmm? I said 14, Exodus 14, 13 and 14. I didn't say that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I said it to, to start out. No, you're okay. All right. Uh, so, so the backdrop here is they were delivered out of bondage. I mean, they similar to what I just said about uh, me and Pastor Mel, just transition through a place where there's a lot of restraint. You know, you 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 don't. Not it's not all bad. Some of it you need. You know, a lot of it we need it um, because some of that builds strength in you. So, but, but God had delivered us to a, a, a new place, right? And so, now, now, when we came here, did, we didn't have no church. We had $1,625. We had no church. We had two members, Keith and Melanie. That was it. And we were, and, and we were, we were moving to an apartment. We was going to stay in an apartment for the first time in 17 years. We had lived in houses <laughs> all that time. And so we were going to stay in an apartment. And we had to leave some of our furniture because we couldn't fit all of our furniture in the apartment. So we got the largest apartment we could get, three bedroom, to bring as much as we could. But all of our big couches, we left. We left our pool table, which which we ended up having to give it away when we finally sold the house. And we, uh, we left our, I had a workout station, I had a bench, bike. Uh, somebody had gave me a workout station that was built, was put together in the basement. So you had to take it apart to get it out of there. So you had everything, you know, you know, a little bench on it, a little leg, all types of stuff. But it was what you would see in a professional gym. This guy worked for a barbell company. We had to leave all that. We couldn't take all that. So, but I told you when I pulled into that, that parking lot, we was in a good place. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so here, Moses is like, hold on, man. Relax a little bit. You're, think about where you were. Not to go back, but think about what you were crying out to God for. You, you're, you're in a good place. Be still in a good place. 
and let God show you the great. This is right before the Red Sea opened. <laughs> See, so sometimes when you walk into, out of, a, out of a bondage into a good place, you'll see circumstances. And so as, as I was saying earlier, God said, we think the circumstances override the promises. The promises, I'm going to send you to a land. I'm delivering you from to. But the interesting thing is when we're delivered from, we go through this wilderness period to purge out of where we've been so we don't take it where we're going. See, that wilderness was to humble them, to prove them so they would know what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not, but it was to get out all that they had conformed to because that kryptonite would have made them powerless in the promised land, right? So the circumstances don't override the promise. We just need to be still, right? Right? And know that he's God, right? And that's, I don't know, that's Isaiah 46.10. I didn't give you that, but I thought I quoted. 2 Corinthians. Let's go to your 2 Corinthians. Again, we're talking about God's communication that I keep my promises. If that ain't good news, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I keep my promises. <laughs> you need to go back this week and start looking up things God has told you. <laughs> Look up things God has told you. All right, all right so first, uh, 2 Corinthians 1. And uh, so, so as I was meditating on this, I kept hearing, we went to the concert the other, uh, the other week, uh, last week. And I kept hearing the song. <laughs> All God's promises are yes and amen. <laughs> and, and actually, I was meditating on it, and I was about to call my wife and say, babe, hey, uh, we, we probably need to sing promises, but I forgot it's Wednesday night, and, you know, we don't have a praise team up here. <laughs> so, uh, but, but that song by Mary City, and, and it says, and all, all God's promises are yes and amen. Right? And so, so it had me thinking about this scripture uh, uh, because this is where they got the song from. Second uh, Corinthians 1 verse 20. This is for all the promises of God in him are yea, which means yes, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now, he, he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Right? So, so God's promises are yes and amen, which is a number, another form of yes. <laughs> right? Right? Or I agree. Right? And so, so, so uh, there's another song called Standing on the Promises, which I love, you know. And it just talks about how what, 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 what keeps us at peace and focused and locked in and boring through is we're standing on the promises, right? We're standing on the promises. And this is the thing, this being still and operating in patience, we, this is, that, that's why the scripture says you have need of patience after you've done the will of God, you might receive what? The promise, and so we'll get to that scripture here in a second. It's, it's Hebrews 10. But uh, we need patience even to go through the Bible to find his promises and his will. 
See, see, see so, so we struggle sometimes with reading, but we don't understand. When we're reading through, we actually see God's promises. We see God's promises in action. We see God's promises to us. And we know when certain things come at us, if they're coming against his promises, they can't stop us because God promised us something else. But if you don't know the promises, you can actually think what's coming at you is greater than what God has said he has for you. All right, so it takes patience to, to navigate through God's will and his promises, testament, his covenant, what he committed to do. It takes patience to navigate through that. Um, I heard this, this was, this was something I heard, uh, it's a book, uh, uh, I taught out of in uh, ministry school called, uh, Christ the Healer. No, that's Healing the Sick. Christ the Healer is another book, uh, that I, I've studied through, uh, by F.F. Bosworth, F.S. Bosworth. And this is what he said. He said, Until God's promises are each a revelation of what God is eager to do for us, until we know what God's will is, there is nothing on which to base our faith. So so I repeat, until God's promises are each a revelation of what God is eager to do for us. Listen, so God is chomping at the bit to do these things for us. Until we know what God's will is, There is nothing on which to base our faith. See, once I know his will, that's what I'm basing my faith on. God's eagerness to do what he promised in his will for my life. I'm I'm, I'm attaching my faith to that. I'm standing on that in the midst of, why are you doing this? Why? Okay, here we go, Mr. Holy. Why Why are you sacrificing these things or why are you sanctifying yourself? Why do you set yourself apart? Why do you press? Why are you that diligent? God promised me some things that I'm preparing myself to handle. See, see my, my faith is in what God has said, not in the, the, the dead moments and the uncertainty and the intimidation of the circumstances. My faith is in what God, what God has said. Okay, so why are you so faithful? Like, why are you so consistent? Nobody's watching. Why are you serving to that degree? Why are you so selfless? Hebrews 6. Because God promised me some things. Hebrews 6. Verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, his honor, and his character. Right? in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. See, so God's promised that he's not unjust to forget my labor of love. People may take me for granted. People may spit in my face. People may hustle and betray me. But guess what? God is not unjust to forget my labor of love. So, so I do it all as unto him. He promised me that. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. These are thoughts are not evil, but to bring an expected end. What I promise, right? Psalm 37, 25 is a wonderful thing for us to realize. And it's a reality. It has to be a reality. I have been young and now I am old. 
yet have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. In my life, the psalmist is saying in my life, throughout my life, I've been young and old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So I won't be righteous, <laughs> right? So I'm going to be righteous, right? And, and, uh, and I was, as I was meditating, this is how God works. Uh, th- this is the inside information to how uh, 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 a great sermon is put together. That's pretty arrogant for you to say. How do you know it's a great sermon? Well, when I answer the question, you'll know how I know, because God puts it together. And this is how he does it, through everything that's happening in your life, that throughout the weeks, the months, you could be watching something on TV, having a conversation. That's why fellowship is important. You could be in a Bible study. You could be in a circumstance and ask God, what is going on here? And the whole time he's writing out that sermon. The whole time. He's just constantly just writing things out. And so, so, and this is what he does with me. He'll, he'll tell, he'll target something. I can be in a conversation. Like we was out, uh, I told you during, um, uh, what was that? Anointed associations came out of, we were just sitting around with a visitor and, and, and when Joan said some things, the Lord just spoke into my spirit, anointed associations. I don't be asked no questions. I just wrote it down. Then I got into it with him and he just started downloading what he wanted to talk about. When he told me I keep my promises, I sat down with him, and he just started downloading what he wanted to talk about. Then throughout the weeks and days, he just keeps sending me stuff. So, for example, I had uh, somebody send me something uh, yesterday. Well, actually, they, 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 uh, uh, I found out that they had sent something to the ministry. And uh, they, they sent something to the ministry. Uh, well, I mean, transparently, they sent 100 and how can I say this? A hundred dollars and one cent. All right, so there's two ones in there, right? A hundred dollars and one cent. And then they sent this scripture, Deuteronomy one. Deuteronomy one, verse eleven. Now they ain't know what I was teaching. It says, the Lord your God, the Lord God of your fathers, make you a thousand times so many more as you are and bless you as he has promised you. Now, now, now this is them coming out of what I just told you. They came out of Egypt, right? They came out of Egypt and the Lord, I mean, and Moses was, was sitting with him was like, hey, y'all need to remember this day. <laughs> that means they remember this day. And then they start, you know, then of course when you're in, uh, there's a message coming up here in a few weeks uh, called the power of fellowship. So they're in this fellowship and things just start coming out. Like remember with Mary and Martha, inspirations. And then this, this, this statement comes out. Bless you a thousand times more as the Lord has promised you. And, and so, so, uh, I was, as I was meditating on this, I was thinking through uh, something that came out Master Life. We were talking on uh, goals and things like that. And this was the statement, purpose, goals, and priorities equal God's promises. Purpose, purpose 
goals, priorities equal God's promise. So when you so so you know, we're trying to discover purpose, we're establishing goals, we're trying to establish priorities. These things will equal God's promise. Will equal God's promise. This, you know, it's, it's a statement I got out of Master Life. Uh, A.V.T. A- T. Willis is the author. Right? So, as I was meditating on this, if you think about it, while Jesus was on earth, his anointing was kind of evident, right? Through the miracles he performed, the lives that he touched, and the provision that he manifested, right? You saw his anointing through the miracles he performed, through the lives he touched, and the provision that was manifested. And he dominated the devil, demons, disease, debt, distress, through the power that flowed through his being, right? And so, so Jesus, Jesus represented God by his display of all God that poured it, poured in him. He represented God by his display of all God that poured in him. As disciples of Christ, we have promised access to that same anointing. So, so part of God's promise is we can have the same anointing that, that Jesus had. We can, we can dominate devils, demons, uh, disease, debt, and distress too. Right? We can impact lives through miracles and, and provision manifested and signs and wonders. Right? Because that was promised to us. We were promised the same thing. See? And God said what? I keep my promise, <laughs> right? Let's look here at Acts 2. This, you, know, that, you know, I don't, per, personally, nothing personal to anybody else, I try not to just be saying stuff just as a personal opinion. You know, the, the pulpit is not for uh, personal preferences or opinions. It's for the prophetic, right? And so Acts chapter 2 Verse, well, we're going to focus on verse 39, but we'll start verse 37, okay? It says, now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus and, and Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39 is what we're focusing on. It says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This promise of having the gift of the Holy Spirit and the anointing is for, 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 it's something that, that, that was planned for a long time. And so we, all we need to do is yield and access it, Right? We need to yield and to access it. And so our obedience to the call, see, it says, to as many as a, what is it, what is this, as many, where is it? The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall what? Call, right? As many as the Lord shall call. And our obedience to the call is not just about us. This is the key. It's about a promise to generations. 
So our obedience to the call is not just about us. It's about a promise to generations, right? It determines what promises our families will inherit now in this time and the time to come. It determines what promises our families will inherit now in this time and the time to come. How we answer the call. See, we think it's about us, our convenience, if we're comfortable or not. It's about promise to generations. The scripture says, uh, let's go to Mark. Mark 10. I like to confirm everything with the word. So Mark 10, 30. Well, 29. It says, verily, I say unto you, there is no man that has, now this is somebody answering the call. There is no man that has left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. That's the person answering the call, right? But he shall receive a hundredfold. Look, now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution. Look, and in the world to come, eternal life. See, 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 and see, we, we, in this culture, we just, you know, some people just skip everything and just go, I just can't wait to go to have eternal life. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But eternal life is not, uh, not a place you're going to. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, you know, because the scripture talks about a new heaven and a new earth and new Jerusalem and stuff like that. So, so, so where's that going to be? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, but, but we... We, we, we take eternal life and we just attach it to heaven and we just wait for the, the by and by. Like people try to rush you, rush you into heaven. But this says, then this says now in this time, in the time to come. And, and what it's saying is a lot of, with some of the restraint on us answering the call to fulfill God's promises is we think we're losing something. We think we're going to lose valuable relationships. We think we're going to lose um, resources and things like that. But it says, no, if you commit and answer the call, there's things promised to you. You're not going to lose nothing that you should have, right? You're not going to, and, and if you look at it, man, you know, once again, we could be rushing out of good to get the great. You could have great relationships. You could have someone treating you like a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, and you're so busy skipping past them to protect your ego on the, the father, mother, or sister, or brother that's abused you. You know, trying to, trying to win them over to satisfy your ego. When God is putting sin and everything around you. I'm not saying don't establish relationships. I, listen, I've, I've grown to, uh, if need be, reconcile or um, heal or awaken uh, a lot of, of relationships that were, that were severed and torn or I haven't done it. God's done it. But, man, God is, like, I have a wonderful family. Have a, have a wonderful, have a wonderful wife. Have a wonderful son. I have a, a wonderful biological family. But I'm going to tell you right now, I have a phenomenal church family. Like, so, and, 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 I, and I can tell when God's doing stuff with, with, with family and different people and, it, it, just, it just be moving me to tears, man. <laughs> like, there's a whole lot of people that have titles in my life that don't move me to tears. <laughs> I ain't say no names. See, somebody out there getting offended. I ain't say no names. I just said there's a whole lot of people that don't move me to tears <laughs> for whatever reason. 
But there's a whole lot of people snatch, grab my heart, snatch my heart, man, and does so much for my heart, uh, especially in uh, uh, the family God has afforded us. And see, so, so some of this stuff was prophesied by Joe. I was talking to uh, a young man at the, in the church. Uh, sometimes I just need to talk to people. Don't worry about how they look. Just talk to them. Have some great conversations with people. Now, this is a person that somebody probably, nobody would even probably think to talk to. Man, well, one person I've talked to was talking to me about the call on their life. You wouldn't even know the person had a call on their life. Another person that was talking to me was talking to me about the, um, the dreams they've been having. And this, it, you know, oh, no, it's the same person that had the call was talking to me about the dreams. And just talking to me about how he just be saying stuff. He said, man, I saw this house that we're in. I saw this house that we're in before we was in it. I, had it in the, I saw it in the dream. And so I was talking to him about this particular scripture that we read. Because these are the things that, 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 that when things are prophesied, they're spoken out. You almost could say God is speaking out his promises. You know what I'm saying? He's, you're getting advanced information of what God said he's going to do. And God says what? I keep my promise. Let's look here at Joel 2, Joel chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 27. Joel chapter 2, we'll start at verse 27. And it says this, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Look, there's a promise. There's a promise, right? Joel. <laughs> right? He says, so, so he says, my people shall never be ashamed. Right? And then look, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillar and smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall what? Call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. There it is again. Right? There it is again. Answering that call. But he's given some guarantees. Right? He's given some guarantee. <laughs> All right, we'll get into that here in a second. Let's go to Second Second Peter three. See, some of the other thing that we're risking ourselves to do or taking a chance to do is there somebody gave you a guarantee? <laughs> hey, go ahead. You, you you could take the job, but is there a guarantee? Attached to that. See, if God didn't tell you to do it, is there a guarantee? So, 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 so there was more uh, seemingly comfortable situations and more um, financial 
financially benefiting situations uh, that we could have chose to do. Uh, come on, we came to Charlotte, someplace we've never been before, and we had nothing set up here. But there was, there was a lot more. There, there were people in positions uh, uh, nicely persuading me that, hey, there's an easier way you could do this, bro. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm talking to you. So, so if I'm talking to you and I'm telling you the easy way of doing it and I have the resources, why wouldn't you at least consider it? Because I'd rather roll with God. Right? I saw 2 Peter 3, and I'm going to read this out of Amplified, verses 9 through 12, right? It says, the Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and, and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty thunderous roar, and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people are you to be in the meantime? In holy behavior, that is, in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer. Someone that trusts in God's promises. I just threw that in there. And in godliness, displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. While you earnestly look for and await the coming of the day of God. For on this day, the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat. Right? So I'm saying God is not, I know the, uh, the King James says God is not slack concerning his promises. <laughs> right? God ain't just talking. <laughs> right? He's not just talking. And, and this is, this is uh, something I, 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 don't remember, I don't know the guy's last name. I don't know if this is his last name. This is what I wrote down in my notes. But I thought this was powerful. If you're not building on the promises of God, you're probably building on the panic of men. Uh, Jim's name was Max. That's his last name or first name. I remember. Well, I was watching TBN. He says, if you're not building on the promises of God, you're probably building on the panic of men. If you think about that, you know, as I'm making these choices and decisions, am I, am I, am I making a promise move or a panic move? Right? All right, so Hebrews 6. Let's go to Hebrews 6. Again, we're talking about God's statement, or at least that he communicated to me, but I believe he's communicating to us. I keep my promises. Well, we just, we just put that somewhere and just walk around no matter what's going on. Understand this. God keeps his promise. All right, so Hebrews 6 uh, I know we read 10 earlier, but let's drop down here to verse 13, Hebrews 6, 13. Huh? Well, before we do 13, let's, we read 10, let's just read 11 and 12. Well, I'll just start with 10 and then keep on reading. 
It says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which he has showed, which ye have showed toward his name. And in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Hang in there. Be locked in. Verse 12, that you be not slowful, but followers of them who, do, who look through faith and patience inherit the promises. All right? Now, verse 13. It says, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. <laughs> right? It says, saying, surely, blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, so he promised them some things, but then he had to patiently endure, believing in the promises while he was being prepared to handle them, right? It says he obtained the promises. He obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to, to them an end of all strife. So, so, so when a person says something, they swear by something greater. So the person that they're uh, covenant with ago, they'll believe them. Oh, you're swearing by this. I know it's good. Or when you go to court, you put your hand on the Bible and say, you know, you swear by God that you're going to tell the truth. So that confirms to them, okay, you can sit down and we'll, we'll trust your testimony even though people lie, right? Um, <laughs> but you understand, but, it, but it's always the, the, we're talking about the culture of how things were established, before we corrupted it. People would always, hey, if you don't take my word for it, I'm swearing by this. Now, I know now in this time people go, I swear by my dead mother or something like that, but, but, but that's how everything was established. So that's what that's saying. Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an by an oath. So in other words, God said, this is how you guys established confirming your promises, so I'm going to do the same thing. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfastly, and which and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunners for us entered even Jesus made, this is key, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, so, so again, um, when it says uh, Jesus was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, if you go back and study in Genesis, that's who Abraham gave his tithe to. But God actually created uh, the priest, which really was representing uh, uh, Christ and uh, uh, Jesus and God, so, so Abraham could give, sow his tithe so he could receive a blessing. But the scripture says that, okay, so Jesus is, is made in the order of Melchizedek, so he, we talked about this on Sunday, he receives our tithes and, and actually can give us the blessing. Why? Because he's both king and priest. So being both king and priest, he carried both anointings. He carried the kingly anointing and the priest anointing. So he, he not just, he's not just, the kingly anointing is you're filled with the gifts. No, the priestly anointing, you're filled with the gifts. The kingly anointing, you can impart gifts. 
when we talked about that, we talked about the three anointings, right? So Jesus had the ability to receive and impart so he can receive uh, our tithes, but also impart the blessing. And so, so the reason why I talked about um, just in the order of Melchizedek is saying that, that the ability to both intercede for and execute and manifest the promises of God. I can, so, so being a priest, Christ can intercede for us, help us to get through. You know what I'm saying? Stand in the gap for some of our weaknesses and our frailties, right? But as a king, he can also manifest God's promises, right? Because he has the ability to impart. And so the scripture says this in Isaiah 53, whose report shall you believe? Isaiah 53, 1. Will you be- believe? Now, now, I got a little complicated with the blessings and, and, and Melchizedek. You read through Hebrews 7, it talks about more about Melchizedek and, and what was his, his, his impact. But I wanted to crystallize it so we understand that God went through great lengths to make us know let us know we have his promise. And then we got cloudy. He sent Jesus to cleanse us, Jesus to awaken us, Jesus to enlighten us, but also Jesus to remove anything, any sin that was going to separate us from the promises. So Jesus paid the price to bring us back into a place where we can have access or through the covenant. He redeemed us from the, from the curse of the law being made a curse for us so now we can have the blessings that we just read that was promised to Abraham. Blessing, I will bless you and bless them to bless you and in you shall all the families of earth be blessed in Genesis 12, 1, right? And so, 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 so look at God's system. God is saying, okay, you live in this world where you get in a contract and, and there's promises made. So some people live up to the promises and some people don't. So then you say, okay, give me a guarantee. You may have to put a down payment. You may have to, there's something that's going to have to confirm that I trust you. Every, every time we, you know, even if your, your, your kids say something, you're like, okay, now you're going to have to give me some guarantee that I know you're going to do this. And they, they have to communicate something or say something. Or you go, okay, I can trust you on this one. You know, even as a men and women of God, you, you, you come to a foreign city, people just don't trust you. People, people don't trust you. People don't tithe. People don't do nothing. You know, I mean, we went years, and we might have like four or five tithers. But because of the promises of God, God covered the church until we understood that this is all of our house, right? And so, but, but there, we still had to operate in a certain way of consistency where people can believe. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so, 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 so this is what God understood. I, hey, I don't lie. He just said it. I, like, I don't lie. I can't lie. It's not even a part of me. But you don't know me like that. And you, you, it's hard for you to fathom because you have lied. All right, so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, because I declared the end from the beginning, the ultimate goal is for you to understand I keep my promises. But I know that's going to be hard for you because of your human nature. You're going to be processing and looking at me as a human. You'll be looking at me that you, your, daddy, that you, your daddy that didn't come through. Your mama didn't come through. Your cousin didn't come through. Your friend didn't come through. Your pastor didn't come through. This, the list goes on and on. He says, I know you're going to look at through those lenses. So I'm going to go a little extra to assist you receiving what I want you to do. Look, look here, even, I want you to take my word for it, but First Thessalonians. I mean, we just have a wonderful system if we just yield to it. 
I mean, who actually makes a promise to you and assists you in doing your part? Like, okay, whatever we're deciding to commit to outside of God's will, you getting that type of guarantee? Go to your job. They say, we're going to pay you this amount if you do this job, and then they're going to do the job for you just to make sure you get the money. Husbands and wives don't even do that. No, you're going to do what you told me you was going to do. You're going to fulfill this obligation. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. It says, look, faithful is he that calleth you who will also, who also will do it. Faithful is he that calleth you. We talked about calling, right? And you answering the call. So he's calling you, and he's also helping you to do what he called you to do. Look at Philippians uh, 1. Verse 6. It says, be confident in this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. And then look over here, chapter 2. So, so we, have a, we have a responsibility, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have, have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but also... Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Yeah. Uh, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. Look at verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working in you. As the scripture says, now in the hymns, they would do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask. Think according to what? The power that works in you. He's helping us to fulfill our side to get the promises. All we got to do is yield to them. You know, scripture says this in Isaiah 46, 10 and 11. It says, declaring uh, the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, that's the promises, speaking them out ahead of time, saying, my counsel shall stand, my promises shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure calling a ravenous bird from the east and the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I ha- look, at, look at this, verse 11. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Like he's telling us. He says, my word won't go, go out and return to me void or accomplish what I sent to do. Let's go here. Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah. See, he's saying, he's been telling us this this whole time, I keep my promises, constantly giving us hints, and and letting us know I'm going to help you do it. I understand you've been shaping in iniquity. You've been born into that world with a a tad of weakness in you, but I'm going to compensate for that. You have no excuses, what he's saying. So verse 11, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. My word, my promises, right? It says, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, 
and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. I keep my promises. Right? My, if my word goes out, you know, you know, like, like some of us, I, I wish we start to honor our word more. You know, something I try to practice if I say it. Like, like be honest, we put the basketball course up, the weather got a little cold. I'm out there, I'm busy. I'm out there, you know, I've, I've gone out there to work those kids out. The first day I went out, you know why? Because BJ asked me to, 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 to uh, help him with his basketball game before COVID. COVID stopped when he came back. He ain't forget. Little BJ forget. He walked out, he said, so uh, when you help me with my basketball game? You know, I said, well, as soon as we get the course up, I'll help you. So that's why. I, 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 don't, I really don't have time to do that. There's something I have to do in a couple of weeks in another state because I told the person I was, I was going to do it. Like, I, I, I wanted, like, like, my word has to have some weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like do your word have weight? I was, for the people out there in TV land, I know everybody here, word has weight. Well, if you're going to say something, do it. See, so, see, this is interesting, you know, because as I was meditating to this, I always think about Abraham and his process, right? Um, see, see, Abraham didn't have an heir. He was obedient without an heir. He was out of beating with no one to carry the torch, no one to extend his name. For a long time, 70-something years at first. I mean, it was longer than that. It ended up being 100 years. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, when he started processing through this. So Abraham, uh, what they did back in those times, if you didn't birth an heir, they would take somebody that they trusted within that house. So Eleazar um, was... was was who he was looking at as his heir because he didn't have his own son. So God, though, had been watching him the whole time, not forgetting his labor of love. And God promised him an heir. But remember, you have to what? Be patient. Be still in the good. Don't jump the ego. So they sat around, and ego started kicking in. They was like, well, maybe God wanted us to help so now, so at this particular time, 11 years go by. 11 years go by, Abraham's 86, and Sarah said, well, you, you could just, you know, we could just use one of the concubines, surrogate mamas, we just use Hagar, and she's been faithful. You know, she kind of flows, she's just like family, you know, she kind of flows, you know, she'll do anything, she's done anything we've ever asked her to do. You know, let's just roll with that. You know, sure. And then, you know, now you start talking yourself into creating a new promise that God didn't even share. Surely this is pretty much like what God says. Then you make a movie and you say, God, you're going to bless this, right? Oh, you think we the first people start doing that? They did it. Hagar's birth. Abraham, you know, after, after the circumcision, Abraham comes up and says, hey, <laughs> I think he's about eight, I think, at the time. He's like, hey, so, Lord, it's time for you to bless, bless the seed like you told me you would do. He's like, that's not the seed I told you I was blessing. <laughs> he said, that, you guys produce that from your own compromise. That, that, that has nothing to do with what I promised. Why would I promise something, and I'm not slack concerning my word, 
and then need you guys to create a, a scenario. So this is the precedence we're, we're, we're establishing. I say something, you put your hands on it because I'm so helpless. I don't know how to produce my word in the midst of the present circumstances. No, I was letting you guys purge out everything that, that was going to get in the way of this child establishing my covenant. If you study it out, you see Abraham was asked to circumcise himself. And when he was, he was asked to circumcise himself for a reason. So Isaac would be born into a household of covenant. You, you see, <laughs> Ishmael wasn't. <laughs> you see, see, everything is, is, is intentional. So God comes back and said, like I told you. You're going to have a child. <laughs> and then that's when Isaac, you know, Genesis 12 to Genesis 16. When you get time, you can read it. So like Abraham, pimp, the people are tempted to say, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. This is what he said in Genesis 17, 18. So, so he has Ishmael. He wants he want Ishmael to be blessed. Oh, that Ishmael might live before, before thee. What are we saying? Oh, that this job might live before you. Oh, that this relationship that you told me to let go a long time ago might live before you. Oh, that this ministry that you didn't tell me to start might live before you. Right? So, so instead, we must, we, we, we must submit to God's timing. See, we're on the tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father when he wants to fulfill his promises, Galatians 4, 1 and 2. Right? Uh, Psalm 27:13. David said, I would have fainted. I would have given up, is what that means, unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living, unless I believed God on his promises. I would have given up. I would have quit. Psalm 27, 13. See, we don't want to be speaking what Abraham did in the compromise. We want to speak what Mary did in the covenant. See, we must speak out like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word, Lord, according to thy promises. That's Luke uh, 138. Not offering God up something that, of, of our compromise and then get mad at him if he don't come through. See, we are implored to do God's will before receiving the promise. Scripture says in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, it says, cast not away your confidence for it has great recompense of reward. Your confidence in what? We already read uh, uh, Philippians 1, 6, right? Be confident in the very thing that he's begun to go to work in you will perform it. But it says, you have, verse 36 says, you have need of patience after you what? You've done the will of God, you might receive what? The promise, right? So, so God is saying, I'm, I keep my promises. Are you keeping my will? Right? So, so we can't get weary and well-doing because the scripture says do not get weary and well-doing. Right? It says, but in due season you shall reap if you find not. Right? You're not weary and well-doing, but you shall reap. Let's go there. I don't like the way I said it. <laughs> Galatians 6.
It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. So don't be weary in doing God's will, because you don't want God to be weary in doing his promises. <laughs> right? So, so, so God's promises, I think, I'm a, I think I'll end here. Right? I think. Let me make sure. All right, just give me three minutes. God's promises are for kingdom kids living the kingdom life. God's promises are for kingdoms, kingdom kids living the kingdom life. Of course, the kingdom life will be what? Doing God's will, right? So, 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 so why would he attach his promises to people not living the kingdom life? <laughs> it wouldn't even make sense, <laughs> right? We don't even line up. It's a song um, I'm really believing we'll sing here one day. Um, it's called A Song of Consecration. It's a phenomenal song. I first heard it sing, sang by Ron Winans. He's not even living anymore. Uh, he had, a, he had a, uh, a CD. No, it was an album. I was, I was trying to at least bring it up a little closer, but it really was an album. Uh, it's called A Ron Winans Family and Friends. I think it was volume four. But he would, he would collect... Uh, that's when I first heard B.B. Winans, and I think that's the first time I heard Donnie McClurkin too. But he would collect a lot of people that grew up in their areas, in the Michigan, Detroit area. And um, he sang this song. Every time I hear it, I heard it recently, I, showed, I was telling my wife about it because I would love for her to sing it. Uh, but psh, Song of Consecration. But there's, there's, a, there's a lyric in the song that says, uh, he's bringing us to a new and living way. See, 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 <laughs> see that, 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 that living, that, that, see, we're living ways in this world, but they're dead ways. They're not living ways. They're not kingdom ways. They're stealing life. They're not giving us life. You know, he's bringing us to a new and living way through his blood. And see, see, God's will is our preparation or our pathway. Okay, God's will is our preparation or our pathway into being equipped as heirs, right? So it prepares us to be equipped as heirs, and if you're an equipped heir, you're going to receive the promise, right? You're in the tutors and governors to the point in time of the Father, right? And heir is so important because an equipped heir, an heir can handle their inheritance. They can appreciate it, continue to learn within it, they can build on it. They can assist others in utilizing it to obtain their own promises from God. So look, an heir can handle their inheritance, a true heir. They can appreciate it. They can continue to learn within it. Because some people get it and they stop. They think it's over. They can continue to learn within it. They can build on it. And they can assist others in utilizing it, whatever your promises, whatever you're building, to obtain their own promises of God. See, it just keeps you humble. That's what a true heir does. So basically, we must grow into living a kingdom life to obtain kingdom promises. We must grow into living a kingdom life 
to obtain kingdom promises. And remember this, God is never the holdup our obedience is. God is never the holdup our obedience is. You know why? Because God keeps his promises.